seconds. Here we go. Blog Talk Radio. T-minus 30 seconds and counting. You know, this used to be a hell of a good country. I can't understand what's going on with it. Chaos. 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 T-minus 15. Oh, they're not scared of you. They're scared of what you represent. 10, 9, ignition sequence start. What you represent to them is freedom. Exactly right. Exactly right. Good evening, Texas bikers and bikers all across the nation. This is Texas Biker Radio number 306. My name is Mel Popeye Moss and my co-host each and every week, Mel Robbins. We are both with Sons of Liberty Riders MC. (laughs) And we are coming to you live from the DFW area of Texas. How about that, Mel? I got it all out. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I feel like I've, I feel feel like I've been to Philadelphia and back on my motorcycle, but not really. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, things just never never stop. Wait till you go to Phoenix and back. (laughs) I know. I know. I've already thought about that one, but hey, man, I thought we'd do a recap of uh, of the uh, the Twin Peaks. Uh, what what's gone on over the last week? Uh, the uh, the mini memorial we did, and you know, it's talking about motorcycle profiling in front of the courthouse there, and uh, I just got to thinking that uh, you know the the Law enforcement there in Waco decided they were going to have a uh, a memorial event on the day of Twin Peaks. <laughs> what do you think Real about class. that? Real classy. Really, it really. Of course, what else would you expect out of a bunch of cutthroats? Well, you know, I mean, they uh, over there where the event went on, the police event, uh, they had. Uh, Men in skirts, horses. They had helicopters buzzing around. You know, it's a it's a real big thing going on over there. I guess I didn't see that many people in attendance, but there may have been. I wasn't over there. I just passed by, and of course they had all these roads block off that we usually enter on when we come in to Waco. Uh, so we had to kind of make a little bit of a detour, but it wasn't no big deal. And uh, of course, we got to the courthouse, and uh, you know, at first I thought, well, you know, <laughs> there may there may be just me and my crew out here, <laughs> and Robert, of course, old faithful Robert Stahl, he was there. Uh, I, I thought, well, you know, it is a weekday, and uh, and if you listen to law enforcement myth. Uh, they say we all don't have jobs and everything like that. You know, we're just out there committing crimes everywhere. Well, that's just not true. We got people that work. And, uh, but you know, uh, motorcycles started showing up just before time to start. And we ended up with about 52 bikers there. Not bad for a weekday mail. 
We've seen more. Uh, actually, that's that's pretty damn good for a weekday. Mm-hmm. We've had mm-hmm. fewer on a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but man, what was uh, what was interesting? Well, I mean, we we did have a, a brief ceremony. We had to, uh, one of the fellows from Motorcycle Ministries. He gave a prayer and made a statement. And you know, we of course we weren't there to pass blame on anybody. Uh, we just said there were there were nine deaths that didn't need to happen that day. There were twenty people wounded that didn't need to happen that day. There were one hundred and seventy-seven people, really two hundred people that were arrested that day. That didn't need to happen. Uh, if law enforcement would have just had some common sense and came into the parking lot and made themselves visible and, you know, go up there and say, hey, not today, boys. And, you know, and, uh, you know, it was obvious that the, uh, the, uh, the Cossacks had come in and taken up all the places where there was supposed to be a COCI meeting. And, of course, you and I know that the COCI meeting is not where you go to settle differences. That's just not. It's a political meeting of sorts. It, it, well, not of sorts. It is. And that's what the news was about that day. But, uh, you know, if the police department would have just done the right thing instead of hiding hiding with uh, snipers aimed on everybody, uh, maybe things would have been different. Maybe a yeah, it always. Go ahead. I was going to say it always has been a great mystery as to why the hell they set up an ambush as opposed to a presence mm-hmm. to make sure the community stayed safe. Mm-hmm. You know, we said it again and again, over and over. This is in the middle of a shopping center. It's a strip mall. Yeah. Uh, two restaurants side by side, and behind, directly behind them, is this huge mall. And mm-hmm. they set up an L formation with snipers uh, with the obvious intent on taking people out. Yeah. But you're right. You know, it was it, it was a good thing that the memorial was held, not blaming people because it was really to honor. Those guys that went down. Yeah. And, you know, the 200 people that were arrested, the 177 that had suffered immeasurably for three years, uh, and it's still not over. It's not not. over by a long shot. You've got charges that can be refiled. You've got uh, charges that are going to hang out there. Uh, seemingly forever because the uh, they weren't dismissed with prejudice. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. know the misery continues. You know, man, I had a reporter ask me uh, uh, at at what point did we did we know or did we think that things were going to go the the way they went, and uh, you know, I kind of. I kind of told them, I said, well, we knew from from early on that once we got 
the innocent to trial once they were able to get a trial or the threat of a trial, that things would start crumbling because the truth would come out. They arrested innocent people, people that had nothing to do with the fight in the parking lot. That's right. People that had people that had a legitimate reason to be there, regardless of what anyone thought, law enforcement or otherwise. And so that's just that's just the truth of it. We knew at some point when we got to trial, we were going to have uh, some victories. Uh, now, as things went along. And Abel Reyna kept delaying and delaying and delaying and hiding evidence and the things he was doing, the games he was playing, and then plus making statements publicly when he said he couldn't. Uh, you know, it just, uh, the vilification that kept on and on and on. And, you know, we want to congratulate the citizens of McLennan County for stepping up and the people of that jury for not falling for the uh, the narrative. Yeah, Raina was, definitely has been a desperate man in desperate times. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. I think, you know, I think he was trying to play this like the feds play it. Yeah. You know, where he thought, uh, and we saw the feds fail miserably playing their their little game and let me well let me let me describe their little game to you uh, mm-hmm. the federal government has uh, with all their federal laws and their section title 18 or whatever the hell it is uh, they have what's called a mandatory sentencing guideline and really that guideline came about uh, through Congress because years ago uh, it was determined or they felt that there were injustices being given to uh, different races, uh, color of skin. Uh, you know, the, uh, the general feeling was, well, the white boys, the good old white boys were getting less time or more probation than uh, the darker-skinned folks. So that's what predicated the mandatory sentencing guideline. Now, the federal government, a U.S. attorney, told me personally, I got into a conversation with him, you know, and this, this was when I used to be in the business world. So, you know, I, I, I kind of knew these people, especially being in the security industry, uh, I, I, I knew these people, you know, so they'd sit and they'd, we'd talk. And uh, he, we started talking one day, and he said, you know, he said, the federal system is not designed to go to trial. He said, <laughs> he said, the worst thing that can happen to you in the federal system is to go to trial because 99.9% of the time you're going to be found guilty and you're going to get the maximum sentence stuck to you. Generally, what the feds love to do is once they arrest you for something, they like to lay out for you exactly what that, what's in that matrix of mandatory sentencing. 
and they turn you into an informant. Now, I, I don't want to get too deeply into that one, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm thinking Abel Reyna was thinking that he could squeeze these bikers into turning on each other. He was trying to play a federal game here, and he lost. He lost because he thought he was dealing with dumb people. And what he did was he woke the dragon. You know, nothing pisses off a biker more than when you start messing with his freedom, especially if he's innocent. And that's what Raina did. He messed with the wrong folks, and he thought this whole thing was going to crumble, people were going to plea bargain, and that didn't happen. And I think as time went on and he saw that the wall remained strong and solid and we kept coming with the protest waves and, you know, running ads in the paper and all kinds of stuff, he saw that this wasn't going to go and he got desperate and he has done nothing but desperate crap ever since and the whole thing has just come tumbling down. Exactly, That's Mal. Exactly. As as we narrowed down to the the, uh, the I think it's about twenty seven remaining cases. Uh, do you think that there will be actually some plea bargains happen here? I I have some real doubt. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, the long game here. And uh, the cards that are now being played are, what the hell is the jury expected to believe anymore? Yeah. I mean, you'd have thought if they had some really, truly good evidence, they'd have drug it out during Jake's trial Mm -hmm. and during some other trials. But they concentrated so badly on trying to make the banditos into an evil gang uh, they totally blew it. I mean, it, it gets pretty desperate and pretty pathetic when you have to start comparing our biking community to the Sons of Anarchy, which is a fantasy TV show. Mm-hmm. And you bring that into court as evidence right. for crying out loud. You know, how stupid and pathetic is that? But you know, yeah. uh, I, I just don't think the public is going to have any faith in what's going on with the uh, justice system in in Waco relative to the Twin Peaks incident. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate to some degree because there may be some truly guilty people that are going to get off free, Mm -hmm. scot-free. I I do too. I do too. And (laughs) I guess I should thank their lucky stars that, Abel Reyna did what he did. Of course, if we would rather the whole incident have not happened, but that's not the case, is it? Uh, you know, we yeah, what we see. And, is, go ahead. You know, maybe maybe some of these people are just kind of guilty by association here, because if you really examine what happened, if 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 we want to talk about murder and mayhem, mm-hmm. uh, virtually every one of those bodily bodies had more than one 23-round in them. Oh, 
Hey, you how, know, so how, how you, the hell? <laughs> you're fixing I was to say what I was going to ask. Where the guy had a bullet wound in his leg from a known biker gun, mm-hmm. but he had other bullet wounds in his body, and he subsequently died. Now, how the hell do you try the biker that supposedly fired that weapon and shot him in the leg, didn't sever an artery, but shot him in the leg, and he died from uh, police gunfire? Two, two, three rounds. Yeah. Which uh, in Every my book does body the, out there had two, two, three in it. Yeah, I would think that, that that does a little more damage than a shot from a pistol. Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, you know. I I guess nobody uh, uh, the the way the police are trained nowadays uh, is to come in and kill, not wound, not fire a warning shot, just kill. That about it, you think? Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, you watch some of these TV shows, like the big one going now is SWAT, and Mm -hmm. you see these guys pull up in armored vehicles. I mean, uh, shit, all it's missing is a gun turret on a tank for what these guys are arriving in civilian neighborhoods in. Uh, They come out of there dressed like stormtroopers. Well, you take a cop, and you give them all that intensive training and dress them up like a stormtrooper, guess what the hell he's going to act like? Mm-hmm. He's going to be a stormtrooper. Oh, yes, he is. And that's exactly what our police departments are developing today in providing the vehicles that they do for these guys, the weaponry, the armor that they wear. And, hey, I know they have some tough neighborhoods to go into sometimes. But, you know, reserve that bullshit for those tough neighborhoods if that's what you got to do. Well, Mel, in their training, they also, it seems to me, they get a big old dose of motorcycle profiling. Oh. As witnessed by (laughs) our latest incident where a deputy from the Tarrant County Police Department was elected as a city commissioner. I forget the name of the city. White Settlement. White Settlement. And because Mm -hmm. White Settlement issued a motorcycle safety proclamation to the biking community, And there's always bikers there at those commission meetings to accept that proclamation. Yes. This guy gets all ass hat in hand and resigns his elected position, stating that, uh, you know, they were also honoring the banditos, which were nothing more than uh, the mafia and a gang and uh, blah, blah, blah. So talk about profiling. I mean, mm-hmm. this was a motorcycle safety issue. Right. And that's all it was. Pay <laughs> attention to the motorcycles on the road. And you got a sheriff's deputy that's 
Oh, you could tell what his training was and what his thought process was. Mm-hmm. Uh, God help any biker that gets uh, within view of his squad car when he's on patrol, because this guy yes, is going to do some serious profiling. Yes, he did. You know what, Mel? And and that's that son of a bitch. That's all I can call him. He he. He's all upset because he thought every, uh, the people who were there were banditos or members of motorcycle gangs. So he resigns his post in a huff and, you know, vilifies uh, the entire city of uh, White Settlement as a uh, drug-infested city. Now, wow. dr- he, mentioned, he mentioned drugs, prostitution, everything else. Mel. That's a that's not a white settlement problem. That's a nationwide problem. Absolutely, and I'll tell you what: if I were the sheriff of Tariff of Tarrant County, I would be some kind of pissed at that deputy, and he would be receiving, if he weren't fired or suspended, one hell of a serious haircut because that idiot made the sheriff's department look like a bunch of fools. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, he did. For his conduct. Yes, he did. Unbelievable. I mean, we don't, we don't want to run into that guy out on the road. Uh, that's for sure. Since we now know his attitude toward bikers. And, you know, he, he has to understand the this, this crap he spews spills over onto the rest of the motorcycling community. Because they start seeing us all as criminals, they start seeing everybody that way. You know, and who's to, who is he to say who is a criminal? He don't know those people. They were there with children, Mel. Yep. And they were. It's not for him to say who is is seeking motorcycle safety proclamations. It's not for him to say. That's for the motorcycling public, people that that work on these issues. It's for them to ask for these proclamations, and not law enforcement and military groups, as he suggested. I mean, what kind of thing is that? I really wish it would have gone more viral than it did. Well, we can keep pushing it out there, and we will. I think we should. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe we'll go up and how about how about let's have an, a a protest in front of the sheriff in front of the sheriff's office over that guy. Well, that would be cool. Yeah, I think it would be cool. And you know, we know the sheriff well. Yes, we do. <laughs> well, you know, we ought to maybe, maybe we ought to be bringing that up this weekend and see if we can get well, some support. We've nicknamed him Deputy Dog, and you know he he's probably never studied the DPS FBI gang assessment reports, which are male are basically carbon carbon copies of each other. I mean, the FBI states that one percent motorcycle gangs, we say MCs, are are a two tier gang at best which means they are opportunists. Somebody has a chance to go out and make a quick buck, 
and they go out there and do it. The leadership may not know what the hell they are doing. And in turn, the rank and file members may not know what the leaders are doing if they get involved. This is kind of stuff. Yep. You know, you can't you can't paint everybody with that broad brush that they're all guilty as hell. But Mel, we both know that law enforcement suffers from the same the same stuff. They too have members of their their groups that go out and see a chance to make a quick buck and, and go do something stupid and end up getting caught over it. Matter of fact, Mel, they've been caught more times than all the biker clubs put together. Period. I can believe it. Uh, uh, I know you, you, you and I have witnessed it in our earlier careers. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. There was big thievery was cold and they got by with it. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. I saw it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Mel, Deputy Dog, I mean, he's the basic law enforcement profiler. He based his opinions and his decisions on what color of tire they might be wearing, who they might think they're associating with, maybe their body arts, you know. I mean, <laughs> Mel, it must have been frightening for him to hear a proclamation read that declared the month of May as Motorcycle Safety and Awareness Month in White Settlement. That must have just scared the hell out of him. But we'll take that nationwide, Mel. We'll talk. To yeah, we need to keep pushing it. it out there because yes, we did. That's a that's a bad scenario. And, you know, uh, you just can't have cops in uniform doing crap like that. Mm -hmm. You know, Mel, his comments are are just as bad as the the Tarrant County police are, the the Fort Worth police officer that sprayed pepper spray on bikers. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. In fact, I've been thinking about that one. Uh, as a, as a parallel type situation, you know, and I'll bet you where, that you know, son of a, same kind of character. I'll bet you that son of a bitch is still on the force too. Oh hell yeah, yeah. But Mel, our hats are off to the entire White Settlement City Council for their support of motorcycle safety. They did the right thing. And it's a good thing that that guy has resigned his seat as a city councilman in White Settlement. Goodbye so long. He saved us the time of having to unseat him. Actually, White Settlement is better off. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are. A lot better off. A lot better off. You know, well, you would think that uh, the police officer uh, would see uh, uh, groups of motorcyclists there seeking a motorcycle safety proclamation. You would think he would see that as a uh, a good thing, even if he thought it was a gang. You know, maybe they're there trying to do the right thing. Uh, 
about how about they're doing something good for the community, the motorcycling community? And you would think they would encourage that instead of standing up there and vilifying the hell out of everybody. People we didn't yep. know. People he did not know. That just pissed me off thinking about it. Hey, man, with the with the federal trial, I mean, that's more or less a kangaroo court, right? They control everything. So, well, let me let me go back to my scenario about mandatory sentencing guidelines and the federal government mm-hmm. and the feds. Uh, they are so confident in their system of turning an informant once they can twist their tail uh, uh, to whip the uh, uh, the San Antonio situation. That all came about because they caught uh, some chapter president doing drugs. They put a hard squeeze on him. Uh, they got the, uh, and because of that, they got the next rat in the pile, uh, dealing meth or, you know, caught in possession of a goodly amount of meth, and they squeezed him pretty hard, uh, which, you know, culminated in this trial. And, uh, uh, I mean, I, I think I think it, it was a situation of Pike, and uh, uh, that vice president had really no choice but to go to trial. I mean, they, they had a hard way to go because... A, they were the end of the line, and B, uh, they had nowhere to go except fight the allocations of confidential informants that were being squeezed hard because the U.S. attorney is telling them, look, the minimum mandatory sentence for what you got caught for, like say if it was possession of meth, uh, depending upon the... uh, uh, the quantity, 10 years. Plus, they will always, they love to throw in the RICO, which is another 15. Plus, if you get caught with a gun, uh, like say, say for instance, you get popped because you got a pound of marijuana in your jacket pocket, but in the bag in your gun, in, 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 in the, the saddlebag on your bike, You've got a gun that you were really legitimately carrying. Uh, you, have, you have now been convicted of a violent crime, and that's another 10 years on their minimum sentencing guidelines. So they will quickly develop a 25-year sentence for a fairly simple offense. But they'll say that's the minimum. And the judge can't go below the minimum according to federal law. So that's how they get these guys really twisting in the wind, and they got to come up with some good shit. And the only person that can recommend that that sentence be changed to a lesser amount is the U.S. attorney. He files what is known as a, I think they call it a 5K, and that 5K is stating to the judge that we have someone or this individual uh, 
uh, has cooperated significantly with the government that has uh, uh, developed a case of great magnitude and a lot of confiscations. And then the judge can move off the dime legally and, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, sentence them to a lighter sentence. Uh, and uh, the feds are so confident in that program that if you'll remember the John Wiley Price case, mm-hmm. the Dallas commissioner, yeah. they were so confident that they were going to get him to turn and maybe, you know, accept uh, a lesser charge and just go down automatically or turn someone else for them where they could develop another case. But John Wiley Price was uh, was smart. He demanded a trial. And the feds actually uh, screwed with him prematurely. They hadn't really developed a good enough case, and I think they thought they were going to be able to scare him mm-hmm. into, uh, into accepting a lesser charge. So that's what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I, I mean, I'm, I've never been summoned to a to a federal jury. I, is it done basically the same way? I mean, how do you, how do you end of. up landing? I, I remember a corporation I was working for in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I remember a girl that worked in our office received a federal summons through the mail. Uh, just like we do here for jury duty. And it uh, it was a summons to to become, uh, in this case, it was a federal grand jury, not just a federal trial. This was for a federal grand jury, and she was being put on notice that she could be, uh, she could be summoned, uh, she could be required to be in that for up to 18 months. But that's how they do it. You get something through the mail. It's a summons, just like you do for regular jury duty uh, uh, for the state or county, and uh, that's the way they do it. <laughs> but you never hear about too many people being summoned into those situations because trials in the federal system are rare. How many federal mm-hmm. trials do you ever hear about? Not too damn many. Not not a whole lot, but you know. But uh, that's right. You uh, you uh, I would assume <laughs> in the in the day of in the in the era of of jury profiling and jury gerrymandering uh, that it's an interesting process. Well, and to top that, if you if you read up on the subject. All the federal prisons are jam-packed. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. they've been moving. Uh, they, they run, let's see if I can remember right, they run like three or four different levels of security. There's minimum security, which is uh, there's really little or no fencing. Then there's, uh, uh, I forget what the hell they call it, the penitentiary is almost the top of the food chain unless you go to Supermax. Uh, but uh, uh, they're all so crowded, these, uh, these facilities. 
the, like the penitentiaries and that, they're starting to mm-hmm. bump them down. It used to be you couldn't be sent to a minimum security if your sentence was above 24 months. Mm-hmm. Now they're shipping guys in that have five and ten years left on their sentence, and they were bank robbers or whatever. Mm-hmm. They were convicted of violent crimes. And you couldn't go to a minimum security facility if you were convicted of a violent crime. Mm-hmm. So there are uh, there's a slew of federal cases out there sending guys to prison that never see a courtroom with a jury. They're just processing them. So you end up in federal court. How do you end up in federal court over drugs rather than the state? You have to be that. Well, this, caught is, by the this feds. is interesting. <laughs> this is an interesting subject. It, uh, I, I, uh, again, when I was in the security business in Vegas, we handled the, uh, uh, we were in a, three-story building. Uh, the, uh, the company I worked for, uh, which was a private concern, the owners bought this big building. Uh, and the security company was on the top two floors. The bottom floor was rented out to a travel agency. <coughs> Excuse me. And in one of the offices was the State of Nevada Division of Investigation and Narcotics, and they had their evidence locker in there, and we had the alarm on it. So I knew the guys pretty good, and we used to talk. And uh, I asked the same question because I would notice at times they would have, like at the airport is always a task force. Every airport has a task force working, and the task force consists of your municipal police, your county police, your state police, and the feds. And on occasion, in these local police departments, in their narcotics divisions, they have a task force established which involves the local police and the feds, usually DEA. And so I said, well, how do you know which way to take the case? And they said, well, it's based on uh, first of all, how bad we want to do somebody and who's being the toughest today, the local judge, you know, the county judge, uh, excuse me, the state judge, or the federal judges. And if they feel they can get a longer sentence through the federal system, they go that way. But if you've got a a judge that's become a hard ass that's a state court, they'll take him there. So, uh, but, and then I have to say probably, you know, lesser quantities are always run locally. When you start getting into pounds and kilos, it usually goes fed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's how they play it. Well, in this case, it was just who they were, who they were connected with, huh? Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, uh, most of the news coming out of San Antonio was coming out of the San Antonio Express. 
who in her last article, who in her last article mentioned Twin Peaks, but at the same time they said they weren't really, really connected to each other. Uh, you know, I mean, if that's the case, why even mention it? Are they, are they trying to that's throw right. Wake? Are they trying to throw Waco a bone or something here? Why would they even mention? Yeah, it? I, I don't know. Oh, to some it, degree, it was kind of puzzling because the jury deliberated for what two or three days. Yeah. Of course, there were a lot of counts too. You know? Right. And they got to vote on every one of those, but uh, boy, it was unanimous on every every count. Yeah. Unbelievable. Exactly, and uh, of course they bought the narrative because oh, really yeah. wasn't much really wasn't much mentioned of the drugs. No, it's mostly Rico, and, uh, you know, they were, uh, I think they were, uh, the thing that was mentioned the most were, uh, uh, I think, the guy that got killed in Austin, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens on appeal. Yeah. I'm sure there were some things there that were just, uh, just weren't right. They were... Uh, it seems to me they have the ability to just railroad you. That they do. The federal system is frightening. Yeah. Now, it'll be probably close to a year before they're actually sentenced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Mel, it, uh, and of course, just like you say, the judge is going according to the guidelines. Yeah, the but judge also, has I'll, no no choice. I I did he hear cannot that step it, outside of the matrix. I did hear that if the judge didn't like the jury's verdict, that he could absolutely uh, change change things. I'm not too sure <laughs> that's correct, but I heard it. I have no doubt. <laughs> yeah, if it was to come back uh, totally not guilty. He could say, "Whoa, wait a minute!" <laughs> I mean, you got that kind of power. Uh, I would think that's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, how's Federal that fair? Federal judges are mini gods. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's probably some other things we need to correct too. But we got a long list of corrections that we need to see done <laughs> in this country. And, uh, you know, I would say, Mel, you know, to bikers out there, no matter what percent you might be, just just say no to drugs. Because if one of your guys gets out there and gets mixed up into something that he shouldn't be doing, uh, it could be bad for everybody. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm sure I don't have to tell them that, that they realize it. But it's, uh, you need to, don't do you need it. to stay, out of, stay, stay out of the federal courts, yeah. The average life expectancy of being able to deal drugs, and I would say the life expectancy of your business, is mm-hmm. on average two years. Yeah. Before you get caught. Exactly. 
It's just... Uh, and the retirement package is a bitch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, not to mention that what it does to your family. Oh, it you destroys know? everything. Yeah, it really does. And, uh, man. You know, Mel, uh, let's touch a minute on the high school shooting that went on today in Santa Fe, Texas, which I was pretty close to while I was down there in League City. It's all part of that area around there going into Galveston. And, mm-hmm. uh, man, we got a got another kid that <laughs> gets hold of his days. This time it, it wasn't an AR-15, a shotgun and a uh, revolver. He goes in and kills 10 people. And then this one, there were no signs at all. They say there were no signs. Uh, I would think wearing a black trench coat to school during the summer uh, should make him suspicious of uh, since the Columbine shooter wore the same gear every day as this young man did. You know what needs you know what needs to happen here? Go ahead, yeah. What needs to happen is the little fucker is 17 years old. Mm-hmm. He needs to be tried as an adult immediately, convicted of first-degree murder, sentenced to death, fast-tracked, and publicly executed. Yeah. And I mean publicly executed so that all those scumbags out there, these little snowflakes, millennials, crybabies, can see there are serious consequences. That's what's wrong with our society today. These kids don't believe there are any consequences for anything other than maybe mm-hmm. a timeout, and they're still going to get a trophy. Yeah, Mel. Uh, unfortunately, they need to bring unfor- back public executions. Unfortunately, Mel, because he's a juvenile, he will not get the death penalty. Yeah, he should be able to be tried as an adult. He's close he enough can, at seventeen. I think he can. He can be tried as an adult, but I don't think he can. Uh, it was said today, because he's a juvenile, he will not get the death penalty, even if he's tried well, as an adult. There's another good reason our society is fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, this kid it, was it's not. It's too bad he, somebody didn't drill that kid right between the eyes. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. He planned to kill himself, but he said he didn't have the courage to do it. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he had an accomplice. Yeah, I heard they were questioning uh, a person of interest, they called it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so uh, and he wasn't bullied, Mel. He was a, a defensive lineman on the uh, on the freshman football team. So he's apparently a pretty big kid. So, so uh, they haven't they haven't come out with anything yet as to what his reasoning was on. 
Uh, no, he went into an art class and started mowing people down. Why? Why that particular class? I don't really get. Well, first thing I need to do is waterboard his ass and find out what in the hell he was thinking. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, of course. Uh, tonight we'll hear from the second responders. As I always say, the first responders responders are the people on the scene that uh, have the ability to help those that have been killed or wounded, especially the wounded. You can't help ones that are dead, but you can you can protect the others. Those are the first responders, not the law enforcement. The event, the event has already happened when they get there. So, you know, it's it's in my view, the people on the scene are first responders. That's the reason we should have armed. The schools should be hardened to where this kind of attack starts. Somebody can take action. Go ahead, Mel. All I was going to say was somebody is going to turn this piece of crap into a victim. Mm-hmm. Trust me. Yeah. Somehow, some way, he's going to be turned into a victim, and it was not his fault. Mm-hmm. And, Mel, I can guarantee you, the next kid killer is already out there watching Oh, this. yeah. And saying, man. Seeing. Yeah, seeing. The worst yeah. that's going to happen here is I'll get a few years in prison, and they'll let mm-hmm. me out. Yeah. So it's going to be. Uh, of course, we already we already have the news hog out there. That kid is uh, that uh, is making building a career off the deaths of fellow students and other students around the nation when this kind of crap happens. Uh, they run to him. He's now the uh, the left's darling. Uh, anytime something happens, he's there to say something now. And uh, you know, I won't give him the time of day. I won't post anything about him, uh, other than to say, other than to say, uh, he's building a career off the deaths of children. And that's the truth of it. Yep, I would agree. So, man, I think we covered the gamut there, Mel. I think we have. Well, you know what? We're going to work on this uh, deputy dog over there at the Tarrant County Sheriff's Department. I'm going to type up uh, an email to send to Sheriff Weyburn. And ask him his thoughts on his deputy. I think it's dangerous having people in a badge, carrying a gun, with that kind of attitude about Mm -hmm. bikers. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, if everybody wants to read about that, uh, we've got two articles in Texas Biker Radio. Go to News and Comment. Uh, one of them is the San Antonio Express carrying water for the feds, <laughs> and the other is on is uh, about the 
23rd Twin Peaks anniversary. Go read those articles. They're there with video on the uh, on the third Twin Peaks anniversary, uh, what we had to say uh, there in front of the courthouse. And, uh, oh, Mel, did I, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did I mention the police officers that when we got there, we were wondering, well, was there anybody watching us? Because we couldn't see anybody. Uh, and the, the windows where they usually watch us from wasn't open. And so we went along there, and toward the end, Mel, uh, a lady in a car rear-ended this older gentleman (laughs) right there in front of us. And as this old dude got out of the car, here come the law enforcement officers, the sheriff deputies. In full tactical gear, they were hiding in cars over in the parking lot. Uh, on the, <laughs> on the, them out of the weeds. Huh? On, the, <laughs> on the east side of the of the <laughs> of the building, the front side, uh, they were stationed over there in a van where they could see us, and so uh, they were at the ready in case we started rioting. Now we only we've only been in front of the courthouse eight times, and they don't yeah. get it yet. They don't get it yet. It was I'm, interesting. I'm, I'm thinking any any time we have an event down there, we need to plan something that's going to draw them out. Oh yeah. Well, this we is need just, to do that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure that girl was probably looking at her her cell phone. Because <laughs> she she hit him good. Oh, funny! But that little, but that little, <laughs> but that little peanut he was driving, it didn't have a whole lot of damage to it. <laughs> oh, that's not funny. For, not for the noise it made, and I'm sure that got mm-hmm. their attention. The guy sitting over there in the van uh, when that uh, they heard that loud noise. Or, they were probably hoping. <laughs> but uh thought it was interesting. It drew them out. So they're still got an eye on us, Mel. Well, good to know. Good to know. That's right. <laughs> Mel. <laughs> Mel, have a good evening. And everybody you too. out there, everybody out there, ride safe. I'd say I'll see you friend. Sunday at the COC meeting. Okay. Bye-bye. Good night. Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it, is it,